So the story that we see this morning as our gospel reading is the story of, as we always call him, Doubting Thomas. It's one of the most well-known stories in the gospels, but as with all well-known stories and with all well-known hymns as well, as I was just saying, we can become overly familiar and sometimes we can lose sight of some aspects I want to say to start with that I think it's incredibly harsh that Thomas has got this name of Doubting Thomas. We know that he had his doubts, but as his doubt was no more than any of the other disciples really. Some of whom didn't believe Mary Magdalene when she first told them the good news, and all of whom needed the proof of seeing Jesus, whether it was on the road to Emmaus or in the upper room, before they believed. So I think perhaps we are a little bit harsh on Thomas. And as well as this, how quickly do we forget as well our own unbelief in the light of Thomas's? We maybe like to think that if we were Thomas, if we were in his shoes, we would have acted differently. We would have believed if we heard. But when we really think about it, if we're really honest with ourselves, we realise that perhaps we too fall well short. Faith without seeing is perhaps the most challenging, or one of the most challenging ideas that we face as Christians. I'm looking over my notes this morning on my iPad, and I'm recording this on my iPhone. How amazing these devices are. If I want to text somebody, I can just type it in on my phone, I can press a button and it sends and somebody 200 miles away or perhaps even more can receive it, can read it and it just happens. If I want to check the sports results from yesterday, it's something that I actually want to do for the first time this year as a Manchester United fan. <laughs> I can just tap on a button on here and I can check. Or if I want to listen to music, again, I can just tap a button and it works. The music comes out. Something actually that I'll prove to you later because I have some music that I want to play to us after our sermon. But it all just happens. I haven't got a clue how it works. I wouldn't know where to start if somebody asked me to build an iPhone or an iPad. But I press the button... I just know that it's going to work. Perhaps the first few times it's a novelty and I'm not quite sure. I might text the person in the room next to me just to make sure. Did you get it? Did you get it? And it's all quite exciting. But then after that it just becomes the norm. I can't see what's happening. But I just trust that it will happen. And how many other times is that true for us? With other electrical goods, with posting a letter, paying with a debit card. We don't know exactly what happens, but we trust that it will. In Jesus' resurrection, we see the most unbelievable, unexplainable event happen. I mean, I'd struggle to know how an iPhone worked, but if I tried hard, if I studied for long enough, if I went to university, if I got myself a master's or a PhD in the, the technological engineering and Eventually, I would be able to work it out. 
Possibly. I, I, I probably would be able to get there, as we all would if we had enough time, enough tutoring. But no matter how hard I study, or think, or anything, there is no way that I can ever get my head around how Jesus managed to be resurrected from the dead. And that's even before we get on to the why. The how is impossible enough, but the why. Why did Jesus do all that for us? A sinful, lost, fallen race. Constantly going against God's will. Constantly doubting his power. Constantly failing to listen or hear the signs that Jesus described. That's the truly impossible question to answer. Son of God, killed, crucified for us, resurrected for us. Nearly 2,000 years before we even existed. It's impossible to answer, but it happened. And in that, we can have faith. Upon closer inspection of today's reading, the big thing that leapt out of me was something that perhaps just gets lost at one side slightly. It's a little aside to the story. And it appears in our very first verse. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. The doors were locked. And it's also in verse 26, a bit later on, the doors were locked. The doors were locked to all, and yet Jesus still got in. It really got me thinking about those people we know who don't have a face in Christ as Saviour. I was talking to a friend earlier in the week who was telling me about how she used to go to church as a child and she used to be involved in youth activities and lots of different things in the church. But then a series of events really based around the birth of her child who had a severe disability it was just too much for her. Questions like, why me? What have I done to deserve this testing? This struggle entered her head. Questions like, well, if there was a God, why would he let something like this happen to somebody who believed in him? One of his flock. And as humans, it's only natural that we'd ask such questions in the face of such things. Walls go up. Doors get locked. In the face of struggle, people really split into those two ways. Either they fall more heavily reliant and fall more heavily on their face in front of Almighty God, or they fall more and more away from Him. We see it happen, and I'm sure that some, if not all of you know somebody who this has happened to. And when they lock those doors, they shut out everyone. 
everything from them. Even God's love and his power to save, they try to shut it out. But I believe that this first part of our reading, and again in verse 26, tells us to have hope for those people. Because no matter what we do, even if we bolt the door, even if we lock it, even if we put fingerprint and retina scanners on it, if we introduce ID cards, if we put 10-inch plate, 10 inch thick armour plating on it, whatever you want to do to that door or to those walls, nothing will keep out Jesus if he wants to get in. In our reading from John, Jesus didn't knock on the door. He didn't pick the lock. It wasn't left to us or to chance at all. He appeared inside already. It's not down to us. It's not you who saves you. It's difficult to see people we know and love who don't believe. But know that for Jesus, a locked door is not an obstacle. Perhaps it's just even more reason to get in. So we must have faith in Jesus' power to save. Our faith in our own salvation comes through the resurrected Christ. And that's one thing. But having faith in God's will is another. When we see those who we love, those who are close to us, who don't believe, we are desperate to do something about it. And I know that firsthand. We are desperate to try and get people to believe in Christ as Saviour. But we must make sure that we are first and foremost doing the will of God and not just trying to get what we want. We mustn't try and force the issue. Because no matter how many times and how many ways the disciples could describe to Thomas about Jesus being alive again, they just weren't going to get it. He wasn't going to get it, was he? He needed to see Jesus for himself. That doesn't mean we stop praying for those unbelieving friends or talking about our faith with them or inviting them for meals, services, events in the church. No, but we, we just accept that there is nothing that we can do that will be the deciding factor, the final sway. It's all about what Jesus has already done and what he will show that person. All the glory is his. It's like if we walked around a house while the main switch was off. We could flick on light switches everywhere. There's not going to be any light in there until somebody puts that main switch on. We can keep flicking those switches on, but until the electricity comes through, until Jesus' love and power comes through, no light will shine. We must have faith in Christ's power to save. And especially when there are those who we know who never accept him, who never accept Jesus as saviour and then go to their passing. 
It's one of those times when people go two ways, to or from God. And we must be those who go to him. And there's one reason why. Why we should have faith. He is God. He is King. He is Sovereign. He is Lord. And he knows why. How dare I sit there and think that he's not done his job. That he's let one slip through the net. That he's made the wrong decision about this one. Because I knew them. And because they were so kind despite their unbelief. And surely he's made the wrong decision. And surely he's got this one wrong. But I am human. God is God. He makes better choices than me every time. Full stop. And how dare I ever question that. Rather than questioning why, I should be looking to Romans 8. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. All things, not the things that look like they're working together for good, not the things that make me smile or make me happy are working together for good. All things, which means that even in the most unimaginable situation, even in the most grief stricken situation, God is making everything work for good for those who believe in him. He is there in those situations. And how depressing it would be if only, good, only those times when good things were happening is when God worked things for good. It would mean that any time any hardship occurred, God wouldn't be able to bring good from those situations. And we'd be stuck in that depression. And we know that that is not the case with our God God works all things for good. So when one of those awful situations happens, like the death of an unbelieving friend, have faith. Trust God. He has a plan. In light of this testing, in Peter's letter, he calls our faith more precious than gold. And with good reason. With no testing, gold will perish, as can our faith. But with testing, gold will still perish, but our faith will stand strong. It is that testing that makes it so strong. So relish it. Delight in your testing. Because what comes from us keeping our faith is all praise and glory, and honour to Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'd just like to play a short piece.